Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Amen. So you should have a handout. And like I said, these handouts are going to cover you for, these, these handouts are going to cover you for the entire course. So make sure you hold on to them. Uh, Joy, if you can get these handouts on that side, so that as they come in, they can get them, and um, so that we can have them. So like I said, this is the actual uh, PowerPoint. Um, I want to work with this tonight because for some of you, the um, graphics may be a little too small. So um, just follow along with us as we get through this on tonight. Again, this will cover you the entire course, so please hold on um, to your handouts. Um, you can read along, ask questions, or what have you, but just try to hold on to it because this is what we'll be using um, for the duration of this month. So as we um, open up in the School of Prophets and Seers, um, the seer uh, is a type of prophet, so I wanted to include that because we have a lot of seers um, that God is sending into the ministry, and I believe God is raising up a lot of seers too. And, and you don't hear a lot about the seer ministry. You hear about the prophetic ministry all the time, but the seers are like, hey, you know, what is this I'm seeing, and how do I, you know, determine what God is saying, and should I show anybody, should I tell anybody, and what do these dreams mean? And so we have a lot of seers that God is raising up, and, and they're sort of kind of, um, you know, just trying to get in a loop of things and want to know how to um, function in their gifts. So I wanted to include that in this teaching as well and not leave the seers out. Um, let me get this screen out the way. So praise God. Well, that's booting back up. On our um, first page, as you can see, there's four um, slides on every page, okay, so we'll be working. When I say page something, I may not necessarily mean page. I may be actually talking about a screen, but um, we'll try to keep everybody on the same page for as that. I just love this technology. I just love it. It's always going to do something weird for me. Well, until that gets right. All right, so um, on uh, the first definition of prophecy, which is very basic, and I'm going to try to get back into my screen because i got to lock my own stuff out. But the definition of prophecy is a very basic um, definition, okay? And it literally means um, the mind and the counsel of God speaking through man. It's really just that simple. I, I know we've complicated it, and I, I've been teaching the School of Prophets since 2009. And, um, I, and, and I, I tell people, I say it's really more simple than people have made it. It's, it's very simple. Being prophetic literally means that you can hear God. And that's why when the, um, Joel prophesied, he said that when this um, dispensation comes, this spirit age, uh, spirit-filled age comes, that people will be able to hear God by virtue of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the vehicle that grants you access to hear into the heavens. That, that's what it is. But a lot of times we get filled with the Holy Spirit, and then we don't press, and we just get saved, and we love God, and we come to church, and that's it. We never press in. Um, but the, the prophetic gift is available to every spirit-filled believer. 
So prophecy, um, the definition, very basic definition of prophecy is that it, it is the mind and the counsel of God speaking through man. And that's a scary thing when you think about God speaking through somebody because they have to filter through that person. And, and that's why there's a lot of um, training and cultivating and, and character development that takes place in prophetic people because that word from God has to filter through their emotions, through their feelings, through what they went through with their husband, with their kids. And they, your word from God has got to come through all of that. So that's why there's a lot of um, development that um, prophets have to go through so that they learn how to crucify, um, how they uh, crucify the flesh. So prophecy is the mind and counsel of God speaking through man. It is proclaiming by faith the mind and the counsel of God, and he uses mankind to express his thoughts. And remember, his thoughts toward us are good and not of evil, okay? Um, it is a declaration of that which cannot be known by natural means. And this is what distinguishes prophecy from familiar spirits. Folks have to know everything about you and want to prophesy to you. Okay, this is not what somebody knows about you. This is something that comes from a supernatural um, realm, something they could not have known about your life. Prophecy is also foretelling. A lot of times we hear about a prophetic word, people are always looking at it being predictive in nature. That's not always the case. Sometimes prophecy is causative. In other words, there will be some things that will take place in your life that will ne never take place until somebody speaks it. Okay, so it's not always, you know, a temple will happen next week, that's prophecy. That's not always the case, but it can be foretelling, speaking forth the will of God in reference to your past, your present, or the future. Here's another thing, very important that we need to keep in mind in terms of prophecy. Y'all got your hand out? In terms of prophecy is that it is a cooperative effort. Once you get the person who hears the word cooperates with God to release it by faith, and then you, the recipient of that word, have to believe God and walk in obedience for that word to be manifested. So it's a cooperative effort. So if the word doesn't come to pass in your life, there's a couple of people to blame for that, and us being number one. So it is a cooperative effort, a joint venture between the Holy Spirit and uh, mankind. Prophecy is also speaking what God has spontaneously brought to mind. And this is where you get the rhema word right now, fresh, dropping right out of the mouth of God. Um, so it is simply, and again, it's, it's very, very, very simple, simply God communicating his thoughts to man. You can prophesy and not be a prophet. It is a grace that is available to every spirit-filled believer. Moving on. Um, so put more simply, prophecy can be defined as God talking to somebody through somebody. Now moving down to the essence, what is the heart of prophecy? This is what we all need to understand because I, a lot of us know prophetic people. Some of us are prophetic people. And, and, and so listen to what it says. The essence of prophetic ministry is being able to communicate God's words to the people. That's what the heart, that's what God is raising you up or using you or training you or developing you in, in your prophetic gift so that he can talk to somebody through you. God wants to use you. And, and so, you know, it's very obvious that we have to, in order to, 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 to facilitate that, we got to know how to hear God, how to articulate what he's saying, how to sometimes, especially seers, you've got to figure out what he's saying. Okay, what does this color mean? Why do I see her? I know she's got a black dress on, but why do I see her a flash of purple before me? You know, seers are like that. Y'all have to go in and really figure out, okay, God, what are you saying? Prophets, we hear God and we say this is what God is saying. But with a seer, you're actually seeing something, and so it takes a little bit more training because now you've got to figure out, what does this color mean? Why do I see this number? Why am I dreaming of that animal as it pertains to their marriage? Different things like that. And so you find when Jeremiah, the Lord asked Jeremiah, he said, Jeremiah, what do you see? I see an almond tree. You saw well, Jeremiah. And then he said, now this is what the almond tree means. He did Ezekiel the same thing, uh, son of man, what do you see? And so that's how he, he trains you and he cultivates you. And, and when, with the seer, and I, I wish some more of them were here, but I, I can't. i got to keep rolling. 
Uh, with the seer, God is always asking you questions, okay, because he wants you to study that thing. He wants you to find out this is what that means. This is what God is saying about this particular individual. So uh, we have to be able to articulate what God is saying. We've got to be able to understand his heart, understand his thoughts, and, um, and understand this gift is made up of perception and communication. It's made up of perception and communication. And so we see these uh, dynamics laid out in John chapter 15, 15. This is what Jesus said. He said, for all things that I heard from my father prophetically, okay, he heard it. He said, everything I heard, I told you. So you see Jesus moving in that prophetic gift. Everything I heard the father make known to me about you, I told you. Okay, and so that's how we communicate. We perceive this is what God is in, because sometimes flesh is talking, or sometimes pizza is talking, or sometimes some of our strongholds are talking. You know what I'm saying? And so you have to be able to tell the difference. There's a lot of voices coming at us. You have to be able to distinguish this is God's voice. And so Jesus said that, for all things I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Um, the next slide says, so here's another example of perception shown to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was also a seer. And you'll find in the Old Testament, of, um, even I believe in Samuel, and I don't know if I get to that tonight, but before they were called prophets, they were called seers. And then God moved into, remember, he rebuked Miriam and, and, and Aaron. He said, listen, I show you dreams, but with Moses, I talk face to face. So there's a progression. Many times seers, praise the Lord, <laughs> many times uh, um, God will raise you up as a seer first and then begin to push you into the prophetic aspect of the ministry. That's what he did with Jeremiah. Well, I'm young. I can't talk. Jeremiah, what do you see? Okay? And so, um, so here we find that Isaiah is called, his nickname is the Eagle Eye Prophet. And um, get, your, get your hand out. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 21, verses 2 through 3, he said, a distressing vision. And we're going to talk about the definition of that in a little bit. But whenever you see vision, you talk about the seer gift. You talk about your, 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 um, your, your perception. And so Isaiah said, this very uh, distressing thing is declared to me. And, and look at the reaction Isaiah had. He said, my loins are filled with pain. Okay? And he said, pain has taken hold of me like the pain of a woman in labor. I was distressed when I heard it. I was dismayed when I saw it. And so you find here that Isaiah, the prophet of God, eagle eye prophet, he saw this vision and it did something to him. It, did, it shook him. Remember what Daniel? Daniel saw the vision, passed out, and almost died. You see what I'm saying? So there are realms that God will take you to into prophetic ministry that's not all jumping and shaking and making you feel good. Some things God will show you will, will almost take you out of here, depending on if you can handle it. And so in Isaiah's case, this, whatever this um, thing was, and I'm sure if we, as we read in Scripture we'll find out what it was, but in this particular instance here, it grabbed up, it did something to him. Remember the vision God showed um, Daniel, it did something to him to the fact he couldn't eat. God, show me what this vision means. What are you showing me? I won't eat for 21 days until you show me how to overcome, how to warn the people. And, and so as a prophet, and you find all throughout the Old Testament, the burden of the Lord came, the burden of the – it's a weighted ministry. It's not the whole God going to give you a new car. That's popcorn prophet. That's what I'm going to my – well, joy is a prophet. Praise God. You know, you can train your, you can train your parent to say – I mean, you don't have to move into God to be able to prophesy a car. I know you need to call You caught a ride from me to church. I don't need to get, get to God. And, you know, I don't have to pray for the guy to hear that. You know, but when you talk about the deep things, and, you know, I just pray about everybody want to call me right now. <laughs> I mean, folks, inbox all my stuff, notifications blowing up, bless your heart. So, um, so, so, but you find that this Isaiah had an experience that it, it did something to him, okay? And so we find here that as a seer, all right, because he saw this, um, this particular thing, he felt it. 
He heard it, and um, and and he saw this communication from God. Look again here, in Numbers chapter twelve, verse um six through eight. And for those of you, if you desire to see it on screen, I have it here. Um, I don't know what happened with our projector, but anyway, I just wanted to make that available if you, if you want to, because I don't, didn't know if this was too small for some of you or not. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, so here in Numbers chapter twelve, verses six through eight, the Lord spoke to me and said, "Hear now my words." Uh, if there, and this is what I was talking about earlier. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision. I will speak to him in a dream. But Moses is not like that. So you, here now the Lord is showing you a, a, a distinction between certain types of prophets. Some prophets, God will show a dream. He'll show them a vision. He said, but with Moses, I talk to him face to face. I don't have to wait for him to go to sleep. I don't wait for him to have to enter into a trance. I can interrupt his day anytime and, 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 and deal with him. And so this is why he rebuked Miriam and Aaron, because they frustrated the purpose of Aaron. Oh, he's my brother. He's married to somebody. God said, oh, don't get common. Don't get common. You grew up with him, but don't, don't touch his anointing. Amen. So, so the Lord here makes a, a distinction here. Yes, there are prophets uh, that I speak to in dreams. There are prophets I speak to in visions. But there are also prophets I speak to face to face. Okay, and so he, and that's what he alluded to as far as Moses. Moses, and then he goes and gave a characteristic of this type of prophet. He's faithful in all of my house. You understand what I'm saying? He's faithful in whatever I ask Moses to do, he's faithful in it. So you see a level of maturity in that particular prophetic ministry. He's faithful in all my house. I speak to him face to face, even plainly. Listen, God said he's my friend. When you, when you talk with your friends, you talk plain. You don't, you know, talk in, in my, growing up, we call it pig Latin. And, you know, we use this little terminology so the kids in the class wouldn't figure out what we were saying. But the Lord was saying, and now I may deal with you as a seer, and I'm showing you colors and symbols. But with a prophet, I'm going to tell him exactly what I want him to know. There's a difference. Okay? Um, so he said, I don't speak to him in dark sayings, but, and he can also see the form of the Lord. So here we see now the difference between vision. Dreams, seeing, dark sayings, and hearing God's voice. All of those characteristics belong in prophetic ministry. That's beautiful. And in these, it, it all belongs to the prophetic, uh, prophetic gift. So now, uh, and this I found this by um, Chuck Pierce. This is slide number, what number we on? This five? Okay. So flip over then, I think. So here we have six types. Uh, prophetic flowing, and 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 I, I put that I put that little caption there. Literally, belly of w- w- rivers. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And you'll find when people get into that prophetic flow, it just comes. It just flows. It's just like you turn a faucet. And God is saying, "I'm here, the Lord." And God's giving this awesome It just flows out. Okay. Then you may have somebody who's just getting started in the prophetic ministry, and it may drip a little bit. You, you understand? <laughs> and I hear the Lord say, "He's going to bless you." And he's getting ready. <laughs> it's choppy. Yeah, and it's good if that's where you're starting out. But at some point, clear the water pipe and let the thing flow. <laughs> Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. So um, so these are the six types of prophetic flowing, or I call them the belly of rivers, okay? Um, the nabi, which is the bubbling up, the unction from within, and there has to be an unction, people of God. The unction means permission granted by the Holy Spirit. You can't just prophesy because it's your turn or because you look for an engagement or because you want friends or you need somebody to pay for your dinner. You understand? You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. You, you, there has to be a permission. There has to be an unction. The Holy Spirit has to release you and give you permission to release that word. Even if, it's a, even if you know it's burning your spirit, God may say, no, I can't release that right now. 
You can release a right now word for somebody at the wrong time and mess their life up because they move out of place. So that even though God, that's why the Bible said God tells his secrets to his servants and prophets. Not everything God tells you can be shown, can be revealed. Some things you have to hold on to. And you, ooh, 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 God tell me, but you can't release it. You cannot release it. So there has to be an unction. An unction, you'll feel it bubbling up. You'll feel something. You'll feel an impression that's so strong, okay? And you feel like, I really, I really feel like God wants me to say this to you. I really feel like God wants you to know this. And, and, and that's what the knobby, that bubbling up is, okay? And then you have the rod, which means a seer. And this talks about, make sure he has a hand up. Get a hand up right there. Uh, uh, it talks about, and we're on, the, on page two. Uh, this is the seer. And with the seer, you have to learn, if, you, if you're not already, you have to learn how to move into discernment. You have to learn how to move into discernment so you can be able to tell what you're seeing. All right, this is, in, when you're operating in this particular flow of the prophetic, you will see things um, on people, for example, and I'll just talk about me because I don't know how God uses you all. Sometimes I see people's clothes change colors in front of me. Sometimes I see numbers. Sometimes I see things over their head. It could be strongholds, battles. I, I, I just, it's almost like, a, 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 it's really, really hard to explain. But you can, when you, say for instance, I'm looking at Kilia, and if I, if I was in that mode, which I'm not, so don't worry, whatever I say has no merit to it whatsoever. So, <laughs> but <laughs> if I'm looking at her and I just see an expression, I may see her crying, even though she's chewing gum, looking nice, but in the spirit, I see something transforming. You understand? That's how that seer works. You're looking at a person, but you're seeing them in the realm of the spirit. So I may see, like, one lady years ago, she walked into church. She had on a brown suit, beautiful brown suit, and I looked, and I looked again because it turned green. And so you find sometimes as a seer, you'll look, and you'll do a double take, like, whoa, what, if, you know, what was that? And so you'll see things like that take place. Um, you see things change, okay? And also you have those experiences in your dreams. The Shamar Watchman uh, is the watchman. Seeking God's timing, knowing when things will happen. They're watching the clock of the Lord. And you have the Chosa, which I'm sure I mispronounced that. These are the prophets who, are, who God deals with in visions. They go into trances, um, open visions, and what have you. The fifth type uh, of the prophetic flow is, is the prophet, and it means to foretell or future prediction, which I also should put forth tell. And then in the top, which you'll see that a lot in true love, is prophetic preaching. Where how in the world God sent that word through the pulpit? Nobody knew what I was dealing with. That's kind of an inspired divine word that comes through the message. Jonah, God used Jonah as a prophetic preacher. So it's tearing open the heavens, bringing revelation. It brings freedom through um, the prophecies, and it's like a fire burning. I mean, you just can't shake that. Oh my God, I cannot get. I just cannot get past that word. I said word is messing up. Just because you heard God speaking directly to you. That was a Natav type of prophetic message. Moving on now to. Slide six, types of prophets, many, many, many types of prophets. I couldn't even get into a whole lot of details. There's a whole lot of them. Um, so a study of names given to prophets in Scripture reveals a wide spectrum. This is why if, as God is developing you and raising up a prophetic ministry, never get stuck on what God is not using you in. Well, you know, God don't use me in prophetic dance like her, then that's not your grace. That's her grace. Bless God for her. Appreciate it. But that's not your grace. There's so many ways. There's prophetic writers. There's prophetic artists. There's prophetic dancers. There's prophetic in the arts. People that do drama prophetically. I mean, there's, there's so many types of prophetic ministries that a lot of us, we, and I, I may try to bring that in next week and show you all the different types of prophetic ministries that we have available to us. But uh, it, 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 there's a wide spectrum that, uh, and it's contained of two primary components, perception and communication. Remember, it's always what God is saying to you. It's going to reveal various functions. All of them are going to be prophetic. 
Let's look at the seer or the watchman, which we talked about that earlier. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 9, remember what I said earlier, that the prophet was before time called a seer. And so this word is raha, and it means to a person who observes. You see things. You're noticing things. Okay, and so this is when I think it was um, uh, Saul, when he was looking for his donkeys, and he came across Samuel, and, and that's what the scriptures refer to Samuel. He said, come, let us go to the seer. But he who was now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. So, again, many times your prophetic gift will start with dreams and visions. And then as you mature, as you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, God will move you into the more vocalizing part, more where you can actually speak. Some folks just happen to God show them a dream, and they're cool right there. You understand? But there's something like, God, you know, I'm going to every gift you show me, every dream you show me, I'm going to interpret it. I'm going to study, show myself approved. God, I'm going to let you know that I want to, I, I want to fully uh, uh, develop this gift in my life. And then you see God moving you to do greater things. Why? Because when you're faithful in the little things, God moves you to do greater things. Miriam got stuck at just being a vision prophet. She got stuck there. Ariam got stuck at just being a vision prophet. He said, but Moses is not, so I can talk to him face to face. Different. So don't get stuck in your gift. No matter how good you think you are, you can all, there's always room for growth. So, uh, so this is a person, the watchman or the seer, is somebody who sees an observer. And a person, they have an anointed eye. Their eyes are anointed. They can see through realms. They can see through walls. They can see through a smile. They can see through colors. They can see years. They can see. God has anointed their eyes to see. And according to Jim White, he said the root of that word means to look at or to behold, to watch. And that's where you get watchmen also, working with the seers. Next slide says uh, the seer is one who has understanding of the time. This person has the ability to perceive and discern. Again, that's why discerning is very important to the seer. You've got to know whether you can see something happen. If, you don't really, if your discernment is not sharp, you may miss it. Either, you know, you've got to learn whether what you're seeing is something God is doing or something the enemy is doing. Now, if I see you walking here with black on, I have to know. Now, black literally means something dark, something dead. So, you know what I'm saying? I have to learn that. So, you know, being a seer, it, it, it takes time. That's why God had blessed Joseph so much because he had dreams, and Joseph took time to learn. He said the interpretation belongs to God. When Pharaoh had the dream, when the cupbearer had the dream, when the, uh, uh, the other uh, ring bearer, whoever the other bearer was, had the dream, they went to Joseph. But Joseph had his own first experience interpreting his own dreams first. When he had the dream, when God showed him the dream about him, he went to his father, and his father said, oh, you want to rule over us? How did his father know that? Joseph knew the interpretation of his dream. All he saw was some wheat taller than the other wheat. In another dream, he saw a sun and a moon. But he was able to discern and interpret that God is about to magnify me. God is about to exalt me. And his father picked it up. His brothers did, too, because he told it out of season. So as a seer, you will have understanding of the times. You will have an ability. God has anointed you, and God has adapted you on um, page two. God has anointed you. God has endowed you with a spiritual eye to see. Covet that gift. Everything God shows you, don't just, like I told you, don't just, oh, well, I don't want to deal with that, Lord. No. Father, what are you showing me? Show me, God. Teach me. Like, like uh, 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 Jeremiah did. What is the turn aside? What are you showing me? Show God that you're interested in the gift that he's giving you. And then he'll teach you, he'll raise you up, and he'll begin to teach you and, and impart even great things into you. So uh, this type of prophet, the seer prophet, is extremely valuable as a watchman and an intercessor. They can see. I see a spirit coming into church trying to affect people's finances. I see a, you can literally see some dark something walking through the church 
looking like a dollar sign or a broken up dollar sign. I'm just using my imagination. But that's how that's how that works. God will show you, you just in church praising, and all of a sudden you see a dollar sign, which dollar signs are mostly what, green or gold. You seem to turn black. What does that mean? The enemy's attacking finances. So now you as the seer or the watchman, hey, man of God, woman of God, we need to pray. The Lord is showing me that there's an enemy coming to attack our finances. You see how that works? So it's very important. When you see this stuff, you have to sound the alarm. Now, oh, that's scary, Lord. I don't know what that is. Oh, God, don't show me no more. But then you shut yourself down. God, I don't, and even if you don't understand it, Lord, send me to somebody who can help me understand what you're showing me because you're not showing me this stuff for nothing. Okay? So pay attention and show God that you're interested in the things that he's showing you. Um, yeah, okay, let me move on past that. Slide number seven, number eight. <clears throat> okay, and so the next word, the chosen, is a person who has a unusually keen foresight. This is also another seer type of prophet. This one is sharper. This person that sees visions or a beholder in a vision. This person, uh, the Bible says, the chaza means to gaze at, to mentally, gaze at mentally, to perceive, to contemplate, to have a vision of. Further down, this kind of prophet is akin to the other seer, but the implications that this person goes beyond what the other ordinary seer does. They go deeper. Daniel went deeper. John, the apostle John on the Isle of Patmos went so deep. My God, they had to put him on the island by himself. And they tried to shut him down, but God opened the heavens to him. He went deeper. Okay, so you can go deeper into this particular realm of the prophetic gift. So they go deeper into this thing, and they have a vision of things of what God wants to do or what God is going to do. This type of uh, prophet is moving in the predictive, like John did, like Daniel did. They see Daniel saw Cleopatra. Daniel saw Alexander the Great. Daniel saw, I mean, of kingdoms. Popping. Daniel was a pop. Daniel was so powerful. God told him, shut the book. I don't want you to tell nobody else nothing else. Young, now, you know you powerful. God said, shut up. <laughs> he literally did. Close the book, Daniel. Daniel saw airplanes. He saw what trees with wings or something. I forget how he. And, and that's the, and I, I, like I told you, when you are a seer, study these types of prophets. Study Ezekiel. Study Daniel. Study Isaiah. Study the prophets who are seers. Study Jeremiah. If you are in a fast or study Lamentations and find out how, how, to, how to build your prophetic gift. Look at how, and, and study John the Apostle in the book of Revelation. Look at how God used these men. Look at how God used them and, 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 and the price they paid for. Okay? These brothers were locked up. Daniel was locked up. Daniel, <laughs> Daniel was put in a cage with beasts. Okay? But he didn't like, let me, they didn't even come at you, but he can't shut down what God put inside of you. We don't have to fear. So, so you know, learn, like I said, go with God. Go with God. Go into those deeper rounds. Wherever you are in your, in your seer gift, go deeper. Go deeper. Pay that price and go deeper so that you can be a blessing to the body. All right, let's move over. Talk about the burden bearer. Remember, I talked about that earlier. Um, there are several places in the scripture where the prophetic message is called a burden, okay? Uh, for example, in Isaiah 13 and 1, the burden against Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos saw, he said this burden speaks more of a function, excuse me, it speaks more to the function or message rather than a person. The Hebrew word for burden is the word massa, and it simply means heavy, burden, okay? Um, and so <laughs> that's why sometimes God keeps prophets to themselves. And I'm, I'm careful about it because there's some people think, well, I'm a prophet, so I can't be around nobody. Praise God. How are you going to be part of fivefold? You isolated you know, and I have people say, I'm in the cave. Come out the cave. <laughs> I mean, you done moved in. You done, 
<laughs> then I turn your lights off and come on now. How can God use you to be a part of fivefold to build how can you build a body of Christ in a cave? There's a time for that. But your ministry is not ninety percent cave, ten percent pulpit. That doesn't it doesn't work. You show up with time to preach and then you go back to the cave. No, you have to mingle with the people. You gotta carry a burden. You have to carry a burden. So uh so the Hebrew word for burden is the word massive means heavy and it's used to describe prophetic utterances. Um, even sometimes in the music, it, it, it describes the weightedness of prophetic um, ministry. It, it's heavy, okay? It's not something like I said, oh, you're going to get a new car. It, you don't have to, there's no weight to that. That's like, that's like a popcorn profit. You don't, you didn't pay a price. You didn't go through, you didn't fight a devil for that. You didn't fast for that word. You just thought somebody needed a ride and you felt, you didn't pay a price for that. There's some messages you will have to pay a price for. There are some messages that you will have to literally pay for. You have to carry the weight of that ministry. You've got to carry the weight of it. So, um, and so these will be the types of weights that certain um, prophets, God will require them to carry. Look throughout the Old Testament and the burden of the Lord. They didn't say the word of the Lord, the burden. <laughs> and I wrote a book, The Burden of Prophetic Ministry, because many times in the Old Testament, now you've got to distinguish between the Old and New Testament. We're New Testament prophets. We're going to speak doom and gloom every day. Um, but in the Old Testament, many times when the word was coming, God was angry. They had a, Israel had messed up. Some of the kings had married somebody the wrong somebody. You know what I'm saying? And now God is ticked off. And so then it, it wouldn't come as a word. It's a burden. This is heavy. And God is in the same, even in the case of Jonah, you half the time, you're not even going to want to say it. But you'll wrestle with that thing. It'll wear you out till you say what thus saith the Lord. And then you probably want to run to the cave when that's done. Because you got to deal with the backlash. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, in the Old Testament, um, when the word of the Lord came, it was a burden. Sometimes even in New Covenant ministry, as we are under New Covenant, there will be burdens that you have to take to my word. So you know what? I remember years ago, this um, prophet of mine, she came and she gave me a word, and it was a heavy word. It took her a while to come to me with it because she didn't want to tell me. But there was a young woman I was very close with. I was probably 19, 20 at the time. And there was a young woman I was really close with, and she came to me and she said, um, she said, the Lord uh, gave me a word for you. And I said, what was it? And I could tell she wrestled with the thing. I could tell, you know. And because she told me, she said, I really didn't want to, you know, tell you. But, I, you know, it was a burden. She had to tell me. And she said, um, you, the Lord said, you and so-and-so are going to have to split friendship. Now, this person and I had been best friends since five years old. I mean, we played baby dolls together. We slept in each other's beds. I mean, we were very, very close. But what was happening is that God was separating me from her because he was taking me to another place. Even at that very young age, he was taking me to another place. And, and had that word never came, we probably would have been friends still today. Or we were still friends, but not as close. And, and I would have may not have walked in what God required of me. And so this woman knew how close, because she watched us grow up. She knew we were really close. And so when she came to me, she said, the Lord said, you have to separate. And it cut me. I cried. It cut me to my heart, because I had to turn to my friend. And by the time I, had, I was a property manager, and I actually hired her to work with me. And, um, and I had to tell her, I said, you know, I said, we're going to have to separate. And she's like, but why? What did I do? And I'm like, oh, God. You know, I don't even know. You didn't do anything. And it was hard for me to explain. I knew in my spirit, but I didn't really know how to tell her. I said, I said God is just saying, right now it's not good for us to be together. And later on, I saw, you know, I saw why. And I, I still love her dearly. We're like sisters today, but there's still that separation. Sometimes that heavy word will come. And it's not going to be something that you're going to hop and skip and you're going to want to tell somebody. It's something that you're going to wrestle with and flip and flop. And God, why me? God, take the burden back. God, send somebody else. Raise up somebody else. And God said, no, you do it. It's a burden. Moving on now to uh, 
So prophetic, prophetic burden bearers are called to pray. These are prophetic intercessors. Why? Because you're going to feel the grief of them. You're going to feel the grief. These type of prophetic utterances and prophetic revelations that come to you is going to cause you. It's going to grieve you. It's going to grieve you. It's going to hurt your heart to have to go say, so man of God, woman of God, the Lord is saying this and so forth. If you don't straighten up, this is what God's going to do. You don't want to do that. Oh, okay. Yeah, hold on, because I'm, I'm in, I'm a, yeah, write, jot it down, because I don't want you to forget it. And then I'll try to give a break, and then we'll stop. I mean, we'll stop for the break. So prophetic burden bearers are called to pray. These are prophetic intercessors, and they grieve over things when they know something is just not right. You know, they, they can feel it. They can feel it. Even sometimes before God tells you, you feel it in the spirit. This thing, right? And here comes the word. And God's saying, like, oh, Lord, Jesus, I was just going to pray to let you deal with it, God. God said, no, you do, you do it. Okay? And so the next type of prophet is the herald. Um, this type of prophet is, um, and I talked about this earlier, the inspired preacher. Uh, the Natav or the herald is the prophetically inspired preacher. It, the primary root of that is to ooze or to distill gradually by implication to fall and drop, to let something soak in gradually, or to speak by inspiration. So in Ezekiel chapter 21, verse 2, moving over to the next slide, in Ezekiel chapter 21, verse 2, the Lord tells Ezekiel, son of man, Set your face toward Jerusalem and preach against it. It wasn't just a sermon. He, God didn't tell him to go over the revival. This was a prophetic message that he was going to have to deliver to Jerusalem. He said, preach against the holy places and prophesy against the land of Israel. This was a burden, and he had to preach this message, this heavy message. Ezekiel had to preach it. So this herald is a prophetic preacher, okay? And it, it, this person is defined as a royal or official messenger, because remember, you got to have that unction. Not just because you may have the church, you get up and preach it. No, you can't do that. You have to have the unction. A royal or official messenger, one representing a monarch, which we know the Lord Jesus is the king of kings, you're representing the king in an official ambassadorial capacity. In a case like that, you really don't want to insert your own words. You feel me? If God says, go to Obama and tell him this and so forth, you go to Obama, you tell Obama everything God said, and even if God didn't give you a period on the end of that sentence, you can say, God said, and you walk out the door. Because you, God didn't give you permission to say nothing else. Anything beyond that, you move out of your grace, and God's not going to honor it. God will never honor a flesh word. Never. I don't care how good you can flow, flow, flow. When you feel the Spirit of God lift, sit. <laughs> when the Spirit lifts, sit. Because anything beyond it, now you're operating in your flesh. And God will never uphold a fresh or carnal word. He said, I got my word above my name. He's not your words, his word. So be very careful about that. I know it feels good but when you feel the unction, when you feel that, and you feel when you feel that dove lift off your soul, shoulder, go find your chair and sit down and fan yourself, drink some water, and just let that be that. Because God has finished talking. <laughs> He's done. So, so uh, you, you are operating in an ambassadorial capacity um, during wartime. This is for those called spiritual warfare. A person or a thing that person that proclaims and announces to herald means to give tidings of, to announce, to proclaim, to publicize, to signal the coming of, or to usher in. That's what the definition of a herald is, and that is a type of prophet, a preaching prophet that can signal something that's about to come. The content of their message is prophetically inspired, even as their sermons or their writings will soak you in, and you will know by the time they're done, you heard God. By the time that herald is finished, you know God was speaking. You could be in a room with 5,000 people, but you know God was talking directly to you. And they may say, I don't know who this is for, but you're like, I know. <laughs> this is me. 
you know, you know when God is talking to you. So they may not give you a best sale, but you know God is talking to you. That's a herald type of prophet. And then the next one is the oracle, the divine messenger. The word nabi is the most commonly used word for the scripture prophet, and it describes when we talk about that flowing, right? Flowing, 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 flowing. This one is the gushing forth with an ecstatic utterance. This describes one who functions as an oracle, um, one who speaks or sings. We see that a lot, prophetic singing, by inspiration. And it, it goes deeper in the bubbling up, the gushing forth to pour forth. And so here we find in Amos chapter 3, verse 8, the sovereign Lord has spoken, who can but Naba, okay? And Joel says, your sons and your daughters shall Naba, shall prophesy, shall bubble forth. God's going to put their word in them, and they're going to open up their mouth, and it's going to be streams of rivers of water flowing out of their mouth. That's what God wants to do, but we have to yield to God for that to happen. That's God's will. God wants his people to prophesy. So we get happy. Oh, God said, you're going to prophesy. Oh, praise God, I'm a prophet. No, God said he wants you to prophesy. God said he put his word in your mouth. God said there's an entity. God has raised you up for such a time as this, and there's a word that you're going to release to your house that's going to bring change. There's a word you're going to release to your ministry that's going to bring change. doesn't mean you're a prophet, but for that particular season, you are the prophet. You understand? And for like Jonah, when you're done with that, then you sit down and wait for your next season. Come wait for the next river to gush up. Some of your rivers may not gush up for a minute. Some of them may gush up in the next minute. You never know. We don't know how God's going to move. But we just press in and be ready. Be also ready. All right? So moving now, I'm on slide 13. Moving on. I'm going to try to take a break in a little bit. Oh. Still talking about the oracle. So the oracle is um, this ecstatic prophetic utterance, a prophet who speaks forth in the name of the Lord, and um, and they're confident about this because they know God said this. They're very confident. They're not, uh, uh, no, they know what God is saying. Okay. Um, this goes beyond insight. This is not the seer. This is the vocal part of the prophetic ministry movement. Uh, it goes beyond simple insight, insight. It goes beyond preaching. They're going to actually speak directly into your situation. And that's how you're going to know God is talking to me. Across the body of Christ, there are different types of prophecies. First-person prophecy, where I'm saying, Marissa, the Lord is saying this and so forth. Then there's corporate prophecy, where God's giving the word to the entire house. Like yesterday, this is the season of Shammah. God said, it's time for you to stand up. It's time for you to break some paradigms uh, in your life. It's time to break poverty. It's time to come out and say, it was a corporate word. God expects everybody to walk in it, not just the preachers. or the so Everybody, God expects you to walk into that season. That's a corporate word. So if we do not walk in that word, then we become disobedient to the Holy Word, to the Holy Spirit. Because when God releases that, it's a grace that goes to help you accomplish what he told you to do. The, the option, the permission from the Father was released with that word to enable you to do exactly what he told you to do. Anytime God gives you an assignment, and that's where the unction, that's where the unction comes from. Whenever God gives you an assignment, there's an unction that comes, there's a permission, and there's an access, and there's a door open that gives you the ability to do what God said to do. Now, it won't force you. It will empower you if you yield it. But if you say, well, I'm scared, and I don't know, I... praise God. We'll catch you tomorrow, and God will just have to take you back to the cycle all over again. You'll get it one day, praise God. You'll get it one day. Because he's not going to leave you alone until you get it. He's not, he's not going to change his mind. That's something that God's not going to change his mind. He's not going to change his mind about you. He wouldn't change his mind about Moses. Well, Lord, I stood up. Fine. I'll send somebody to go with you to go. Jeremiah, Lord, I'm young. Fine. Praise God. I talked to you in your mother's womb. I knew you before you even crossed from your father to the mother. I knew you then. You understand? God, God is not going to change his mind. And so for some of us, when, God, when he has placed an assignment on your life, 
and you let fear or confusion or your past, God will wear you out. Everywhere you go, you hear the same word. Everywhere you go, it's like somebody's following you. Were you in my house yesterday? Everywhere you go, because God will not leave you. He will torment you with that word. He will not let you rest until you perform that thing that he called you to do. God forgive us if we go to the grave still rest on what's work. So now we're moving into um, the functions of prophetic ministry, and then we'll stop after that, and we'll take a, a, a break, okay? So we have 11 functions of prophetic ministry. This is from Jonas Clark. He did a real good um, teaching on this. Functions of prophetic ministry, um, prophetic ministers, and this is not just prophets, but prophetic people, okay? Um, no, not prophetic. It's prophetic ministers because everybody should be prophetic, period. Not everybody is in ministry. Not everybody is a prophet. So this belongs to those in prophetic ministry, whether you're dancing, whether you're writing, whether you're preaching, whether you're prophesying, whether you engage in any type of prophetic gift in the body, you're in prophetic ministry. And you don't have to be a prophet. If you're in a prophetic house, there's a grace that enables you to be prophetic. If you're connected, if you were raised in the house of a prophet, there's a grace that enables you to be prophetic. Now, whether you choose to walk into that or not, that's up to you, but it's available to you. So the functions of prophetic ministry, number one, that prophetic people, ministers, let me try to correct that, are forerunners who make a way for greater things to come, okay? They will make a way. Remember John the Baptist was that? And what did he tell the people? Repent. What does repent mean? Change your mind. Jesus came and said, repent. It don't mean I'm sorry. <laughs> repent does not mean I'm sorry because you can be sorry and really be sorry. You understand? I tell my kids, mom, sorry, don't be sorry. Be careful. Don't do it again. But to repent means you change your mind. It means you don't think like that no more. You don't act like that no more. You don't do that no more. When you say you're sorry, you can turn around and do the very same thing the next day. Okay? But a repentance is a change of mind. And so when John the Baptist came, before Jesus could come on the scene, John the Baptist, which was the, old, the, the last, if anybody actually was the old, last Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet. Not Malachi. John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet. So when John the Baptist came on the scene, he came as a forerunner. He made a way for Jesus to come. How did he make a way for Jesus to come? He tried to change the minds of the people. What was the response? They cut his head off. People don't want to change, okay? People don't want to change. They'll kill you first. They'll ostracize you first. Now, you're trying to make way for a greater thing to come, okay? You're trying to, you're trying to usher them into the, the provisions of God, the blessings of God, bless things that God got for You're trying to break that, that old traditional religious mindset. God is using you as a forerunner. Some of you are forerunners in your family. Some of you will be the first one in your family to do anything of what you're doing right now. You're the, you're the forerunner. You are the prophet to your house. You're the one bringing change. You're the one bringing the word. You're the one bringing change. You're the one telling, hey, y'all, we got to stop doing that. You're the forerunner. That's why some of you deal with some of the warfare. Resist. They don't like me. They don't talk to me. They don't invite me. Praise God, because you're a forerunner. Because you're bringing change. You're telling them you have to repent. You have to change this so that God can do something greater. So that's what a forerunner, uh, one of the aspects, one of the functions of prophetic ministry is, is that you, your, your life consists of trying to get people to change the way they think so that God can do something greater in them. That's a forerunner. Matthew 3 and 3, John the Baptist, you can look that up in your devotion. Another uh, aspect of a prophetic ministry is that they deal with spiritual climate. Some of you know, maybe on your jobs, in your homes, you walk in the door and everything is just heavy and dark. What do you do? Put the windows up, spray lights on me. You're changing it because you're like, I just can't. I feel suffocated. I can't. The spirit of God in you just won't let you get comfortable. You know it's not supposed to be like this. You may change the spiritual climate in somebody's life. 
where you're dealing with somebody who's depressed. Every time you go around them, it's like a dark cloud, like Linus with the little stinking blanket that's got the, <laughs> you know, it's like, my God, just get rid of the stinking blanket, <laughs> you know, of everyone you just drag it. And so there'll be some people that God will assign, uh, uh, to, to God will assign you to their life to change their climate, to break this climate, sweetheart. Every time I see you quiet, every time I see you down, come, come here. That's your assignment. You wonder, well, Lord, why? And I, I, this is me. Why you keep bringing this person to me? You know, I'm like, oh my God, if anybody else in the town, they can deal with them. Because I know you, you have the grace for that. You know, people reach out to you from all over because you have the grace to change your climate. You can change the climate. Have you ever worked in the school system? And you know, at certain times of year, whether it get cold or hot, you can't just touch the thermostat. You got to have a key to change the thermostat. So here in the wintertime, you, you were freezing. In the summertime, you, well, y'all know how it is. And, and, but only the person with the key can change the thermostat. So when you have, as a prophetic minister, when God has graced you, you have the key to change a, a, a thermostat in somebody's life. You can change the spiritual climate. You can walk, there's some time me and my husband walk into a couple, one couple, they were fighting like cats and dogs. We walked in there and we said, sit down and shut up. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was just hanging hang, 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 hang. and I mean, I felt like I was going to pass out. I felt dizzy. And, and I was, I was like, sit down, I'm going to shut up. You know, we had to, and it shut, it, the whole thing shut down. <laughs> So sometimes, I'm telling you, sometimes God will send you into environments like that. Again, everything about prophetic ministry is not standing up behind a pulpit, thus saying, get ready, get ready. There's so many different aspects of prophetic ministry, and if you're just locking it into what you do behind a pulpit, you're missing it. My greatest ministry is not even here. My greatest ministry is really on the phone. I got three appointments lined up tomorrow, counseling and doing prophetic ministry. So uh, praise God for this whenever I get up in, because many times I let my sons and my daughters, y'all go ahead, because I, I, I do so many things behind the scenes that y'all don't even know unless God show it to you. You understand what I'm saying? So, but if I just lock down me being a prophet to every first and third Sunday, I'm frustrating what God put in my life. Yeah. I, I, I do okay here, but my greatest work is which I don't even see. You understand? So you can't lock down who you are by what everybody sees about you. There'll be some things God will do with you behind closed doors. Okay? Shifting spiritual climates. The third function of prophetic ministry is turning people from sin to holiness. Jeremiah chapter 23, 21 through 22. And again, this is what, and it's always about assignments. Why is this person next door in my cubicle? Why is she moving next door? Pay attention to shift. Pay attention to who got fired or who took their place. Now they're working with you. Pay attention to who's on, who's sitting at the cafeteria table with you. Out of every place in the restaurant, why do you got to sit right here? I mean, you know, pay attention to things like that because these could be assignments that many of us miss because we don't understand it. God may put you in somebody's life to turn them from sin to holiness to open the door for salvation. That's a shift. That's an eternal shift. You introduce salvation to their whole household. So that's another function of prophetic ministry to where you're hearing God. You're in the grocery store. You're at Walmart. You're someplace, and, and God is just telling you, go down the aisle. And you're like, God, I don't need no tape. I don't need no – but you, just, you feel led to go down there. Prophetically, you can hear God tell you, go down the aisle. Then your mind, I don't need nothing down there. You know, I don't even have no extra money to spend. If I found something, I want it down there. You feel what I'm saying? But all you know is God telling you, go down the aisle. And you get down the aisle, and next thing you know, you run into somebody's destiny. So to turn a third function is to turn people from sin to holiness. Um, uh, the fourth function of prophetic ministry, frontline intercessors. Y'all know that. That's Jeremiah all day long, read Lamentation. And remember I talked about this. I don't know if it was with you all. It might have been here when we talked about uh, uh, intercession or it might have been something else. But uh, uh, as prophets and prophetic people, you want to, God's going to always have you to pray. He's going to always, that burden. 
He's going to give you a burden. And he's going to require you to pray because you'll minister to someone. And even when you leave that person, that burden still, that God, I don't, they didn't receive that word. They're still wrestling with that word. A young man yesterday, and, and, and it, it bothered me. And thank God his wife reached out to me last time. I praised God. But I saw something in him. I said, God, I really want to do something, but he wouldn't open up. It was pride would not let him open up because he was in front of his wife and in front of his family and stuff. And, and I, I felt it. But I couldn't, come on, man of God. Open up, man. God, wanna, I, I'm moving out of here. I can't force that. But you, when you know, when you have a passion, talk about frontline intercessors, when you have a passion for what God wants to do in somebody's life and you can see it, you can hear it, you know God wants to change this man's life and once his life gets changed, his family will follow pursuit. And when you feel that, it'll, you'll go home and, and you'll smile and you eat fish or whatever we did yesterday, but that thing will sit on your heart. And you go before God, Lord, God, get a hold of other songs. God, deal with the Lord. God, change his mind. And I praise God that his wife did reach out to me. Thank God they reached out to me last night. Hallelujah. But God will use you as a frontline intercessor. It's not just about thus said, thus said. God will also use you behind the scenes. Remember, a lot of your work in prophetic ministry is behind. It's not what everybody sees. The Bible said the words that Jesus did, the books couldn't even contain it. There's so much that Jesus did, we won't know until we get to glory. So there's a lot that you will do that won't nobody know about until we get to glory. Okay? So don't get hung up. Well, nobody see me and nobody. It's not about that. God saw you. He, well, he, whatever you did secretly, God will reward you openly. Fifth function is to turn the hearts of the fathers and the sons. Malachi um, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, to turn the hearts of the fathers and sons. In other words, God may use his prophetic ministers to minister to families. Okay? That's a natural setting. And then also to return people to the father. That's the kind of prophet Malachi was turning people back to God. You know, you have robbed God. You know, this whole nation has robbed God. He was trying to cover, he was trying to get the people to understand you have offended your God. Turn back to the Father. That was his call. That was his assignment. And and so even so, for some of us in prophetic ministry, that may be one of your functions. That may be one of your functions. Uh, God may assign you to a family with rebellious teenagers. God bless you. <laughs> may God be with you. <laughs> He may assign you to, to a mother struggling with her children. You understand? That's prophetic ministry. That's prophetic ministry. He may assign you to a, a broken home. That's prophetic ministry. Because they're looking for a word. They're so broken and torn. They can't hear God from them. So all they hear is, I ain't going to make it. Uh, my bills are due. My kids don't love me. That's all they, the enemy is speaking to their mind so strong. And here you come, baby, be encouraged. God got this. God's going to try. Didn't you raise that child right? Didn't you pray over? Uh, this one um, young lady, her son had gotten killed. And oh my God, it just destroyed. She was strong. She had, she had, she was strong in the Lord. She raised her son in the Lord, and then she backslid. During the time she backslid, her son got killed, shot point blank, coming out of a store. And so it just now she was already backslid. So you know the devil just had a field day with her. I mean, she went down through there. And she reached out to me, and, and she had a spiritual father at the time, and I reached out to him. I said, okay, if I, cause I understand, oh, but it's okay if I, you know, did with her. He said, go, he's done with everything I know I do properly. Go ahead. And so she came, and some of y'all know she came in for a season, and I, you know, I took up under my wing. And I sat her down one time at dinner. And I said, let me share something with you. I said, now, you know the Lord knows the end from the beginning. I said, now, you were on fire in the Lord. I said, whatever caused your backside, whatever. I said, but you raised your son in the Lord. I said, you got to trust God for his soul. And it was something that it, 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 a light bulb went on because she was moving. I mean, she was causing scene in the restaurant and everything, and I'm trying to minister to her. And something well, she said, I did promise my son to God. It was like a light bulb went off, and, and she got healed her. And guess what? She went on back down south, and I went on about my business. My time, I don't call her. Where you at? I ain't seen you at church today. I understood my assignment was to get her through that time, to break that spirit off of her mind and say, you know what? And now she's back in love with God beautifully. 
back in love with God, back in church beautifully. But God used me to restore her back to the Father. She was mad with God. And why is I supposed to know her now? Consider your way. You left God. You know, so, so God will use you to return people. God may assign you to backslide. I hate the church. I got church hurt. Honey, everybody got church hurt. If you ain't got church hurt, just give them a minute. <laughs> <laughs> just, just hang on. Because it's peak church for my people. And my God, if you want to find problems, come to church. That's the way it's at. All the demons that we know of and that we don't know, they park right here. You know? So you got to get past what our heart's going to get past that. And so, but God may assign you to somebody that's just, just totally done with church. And you minister to them and you give them the wisdom and let you know, you know, I guess I will come to church with you. You just operated in the function of prophetic minister according to Malachi 4, 5, and 6. You just function in the word. And some of y'all have been doing it and didn't even know that it was prophetic ministry. You just, I don't know, I just talk to people. You had no idea you were operating in ministry. In ministry. We try to move on. So now, uh, number six, the sixth function is stewards of the mysteries of God. And this is found in the New Covenant ministry, New Covenant prophets, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5, whereas a steward means that when God reveals something to you, you have to hold it and God can trust you with it. In other words, there'll be things that you can't tell folks, okay? You can't use it to boost your own ego or to get your name on a flyer. You know, God is trusting you. A steward is somebody that got trust with his stuff. So prophetic ministers are also stewards of the mysteries of God. We saw that with Daniel. Shut the book. Don't tell nobody this. I can't tell nobody this, but God showed me something. No, God told you to be quiet. Can't tell nobody. No matter how bad you want to share it, you cannot tell it. You have to be a good steward of the mystery of God. The seventh function of prophetic ministry is to carry lamentations, mourning, and woe, intercessory burdens. And we talked about that earlier, Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 10, where uh, it is for some of us, it may be for just our black race of people. You know, it, it, it may be, it, it, it's, it's so much deeper than what we think. You may have a burden for your own family. God, everybody in my family is, is drunk. Everybody, is, you know, and so God gives you a burden. You, gotta, you have a generational burden for your family. That's your nation. People say, you're going to the nation. Your, a nation literally means a people group. I wish people would understand that. Get ready to go to the nation. So here you are down there singing at the post office, taking pictures of Santa. Can't pay your light bill, but you off somewhere. I mean, come on now. And then, can we raise some money? No, and God told you he's going to fund it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so nation literally means a people group, a group of people. The folks on your job can be your go-in to all the nation. Your family can be your nation. And you understand the people make noise, it's your nation. The Mexicans around the corner, do you want to Mexico? That's your nation. You understand? And I mean, there will be times that God will thrust you out. Yes. But don't don't box God in so you take it out that God can't use you so you go overseas. I mean, what makes your ministry legitimate by you being overseas? I've heard people say, I've been overseas. I'm like, hey, I have too, Ann. I mean, you know, what What does that do for you? You'd be amazed. Boy, you'd be amazed. You'd be amazed. Oh, Lord, praise God. So the eighth function, um, Amos chapter 3, four tellers, of things to come, as I said earlier, that prophecy does have a predictive nature. Prophecy can foretell. Prophecy can force tell. And prophecy can be causative. And so what that means, you can say, you know what, in three days, so and so and so. What did uh, Samuel tell Saul? When you get back, you'll find your donkey. That was a foretelling prophecy. Now, you have to be careful about that because let me tell you something. If you tell somebody three days and they don't see God in three days, they're coming for you. <laughs> you said three days. <laughs> you didn't lie. <laughs> so be careful. Be careful when you're giving, you know, directed prophecy. Make sure you heard God because they're going to count them three days. <laughs> and they're going to be looking for that breakthrough. So, you know, make sure you heard God when you give somebody a time stamp like that. But Saul, Samuel definitely did tell um, uh, Saul uh, within, you know, when you return home, you find your donkey. The Lord told Abraham the next season you have a wife. 
Uh, I think Elisha told the woman in the next season you have a son, and it came to pass. So there are foretelling prophecies where you can give somebody a time period, and God will honor that word. Just make sure you heard God on that. Otherwise, you're going to get yourself in some trouble. Okay, and a ninth function of prophetic ministry is contending with false prophets, prophets of divination, including Jezebel and Baal. Okay, uh, that is a function of prophetic ministry. Jezebel loves the prophetic. Honey, Jezebel will find you when you're talking about coming up in the prophetic. She will search you out. And I don't mean she as being a woman. I mean just that spirit. Because in non-gender, there's male Jezebel too. All right? And some of them are harder to discern because we're always looking at the women. But um, those controlling spirits will come in and find you. And it will harass you and torment you and make you think you're losing your mind. Mm-hmm. So that's found in 1 Kings 18, 19. First 1 Kings 18, 19. And then another function is to speak to nations and kingdoms. God will use you, raise you up to speak to nations and kingdoms, Jeremiah 1 and 5. And then a um, final function, which that's not the complete list, just according to what he shared. Because let me tell you, God can do greater than 11. Uh, but the 11th function here, according to um, Apostle Clark, excuse me, is to challenge demonic territorial guards. And you want to make sure that you grace to do that. You don't have no business picking a fight with the Prince of Charlotte. And you can't conquer a stingy demon. Leave the Prince alone. <laughs> Stay in your lane, praise God. I come against us. Be quiet, honey, because you, you don't have the grace to do that. So, um, so that's another function of prophetic ministry is to challenge uh, demonic territorial guards as found in Acts chapter 13. Uh, and seven. So I'm going to stop there, and we're going to give the next few moments for uh, questions. I'll go ahead and keep the recording going. So questions or comments? Well, you have a question. No, That's that's always the case. I mean, you know what I'm saying? When you have a word for somebody, whether it's a burden type of word or just a word that God you, you really you never know how a person is gonna react. You know, we, we never know. Um you know, the Bible says that a fear of a man brings a snare. So in terms of giving somebody a word, whether it's a, a word that you don't want to release or whether it's a word that's really going to bless them, at that point we really have to move in the confidence of the Lord. And that's why, you know, um, the Word of God says that we prophesy according to the measure of our faith. Because when, when that word comes to you, you have to believe that you heard God. Now, if you're questioning you're wondering whether you heard God, then you go to them, it's written all over you. They're looking at you like, you don't even believe what you just said. I mean, you know, they can tell that you don't believe it. So in, in, in cases like that, when you have a word, a, a burden type, word for somebody, you really don't know whether they're going to receive it or not. And, and many times in the word of God, the people did receive it. Uh, when, when Micaiah went to, which king was that he went to? King of uh, Israel, I forget that. When he went to him, he locked him up. You always bring me bad news. He didn't receive it. So, you know, in cases like that, we have to be faithful. Like I said earlier, we have to be a faithful steward over what God said, regardless of whether the people receive it, whether they jump and shout, get mad, walk out. You know, we have to be faithful over what God tells us to do. And in instances like that, you know, even God told Jeremiah, he said, listen, make your face hard like flint. You know what I'm saying? He said, don't even, he said, don't even fear men's faces. Because sometimes when you give us, especially a, a word that you know they're not going to want to hear, you know, you can almost expect the backlash. You can expect them to talk about you or, or whatever. But when you know that you said what God told you to say, you can stand on God's word. And whatever arrow they try to send your way, God himself will deal with that. 
His word said, touch not my anointing, do my prophets no harm. God himself will fight for you. And so with, with prophets, and I'm talking about the office prophets especially, they, they understand that. You know, they understand that. I'm going to, this is what God is saying. Now, I'm not going to force you. I, I don't even have the power. I can't force myself to do nothing. But I'm, I, this is what God is saying. Now, the choice is yours. Choose you to say who you're going to serve. And so I, when I, even with the brother yesterday, I, gave, I left him with a choice. It broke my heart because I thought he wasn't getting it. But I didn't have the power to, and I wasn't standing harassing him because I didn't feel like fighting no demons. I, didn't, I had just finished preaching yesterday, you know what I'm saying? So when I saw that he, he was kind of struggling with it, I used the wisdom of God and backed off of it. And so along with prophetically ministering to somebody, you've got to have a wisdom. You have to know, you know, when to back off, you know, when maybe to come back at them at another time. Um, God will reveal to you and let you know when they're not receiving it. Back off of it. You know what I'm saying? Back off of it because now you don't want to get into the thing. Where, and I know God told me. I heard God. And if you don't listen to me, God's going to kill you. You don't want to get into that. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm very careful about um, words like that. That Like I, tomorrow i got to deal with the situation. But, I, you know, when you come to a time when you're releasing a word and you, you know in the spirit that they're not going to receive it, you still give it in love. You know what I'm saying? You still say, you know, this is what God is showing me. I'm praying for you. You know, not just what God said this and how you need to get it together. You know what I'm saying? You still minister that we're out of the compassion, out of the love of Jesus Christ. The whole, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians what, 12, 13, the whole prophetic ministry is based off of love. If you don't have love, your prophecy means nothing. So even if you're given a word of judgment, even if you're given somebody an ultimatum, you still have to do it out of love. You know what I'm saying? So in, in that particular instance, um, if they don't receive it, pray for them, love them, don't mistreat them, but continue to pray about it because it's a burden. It's going to burden you until they get it. My thing burdened me until last night, and the burden was lifted. They received it. But it, it will bother you because that's the love you have for people. To, to You really want to see them, you know, blessed, you know. Anybody had any other questions? I want to keep rolling. Cool. All right, so let's move now to um, character. How about that? <laughs> All right, let's move to character. Okay. So this is on page four. Why is character important? My God, why is character important in prophetic ministry? Remember the way we open up is that you are giving somebody a word from God. Character is important because if you're jacked up in a hot mess and you say, I got a word for you, and I've done this, no thank you. You know, God will have to choose somebody else. Or he just have to speak to me, but I'm not. Listen, by the time you filter, people say, you know, chew the meat and eat the bones or spit out the bones or whatever. Some people words, by the time you don't finish filtering, honey, you ain't got nothing but God said. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? I'm like, you know, I don't have time for that in my life. I don't have time to be figuring filter, well, let me detract the track and add this and the stuff. I ain't got time. Just tell me what God is saying without manifestation. So, so character is very important. Um, and and uh, I don't know who, I forget now, who, uh, John, this part, this part, this part right there. I don't know who wrote this. Maybe I wrote it. Uh, the body of Christ really needs a revival of character, honor, and integrity. We really, we really do need that. We're anointed people like the Church of Christ, anointed and nasty. You know, I, I know some anointed people, man, will preach the paint off a wall and the wig off the back of your head, but they are nasty, arrogant, just conceited, and, and want you to bite on a servant. I'm like, no, thank you. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not interested. I don't, you, I, look, if, if, like I said, God got a word. He's got somebody else that can give it to me. I, I, I can't. I cannot. And so you will find some people that are very, because listen, the gift won't change. This is what's really crippling a lot of people. Well, they prophesy. They don't mean nothing. Saul prophesied. You got to get past the function of the gift and look at the heart of the man. 
You got to get past it. Well, I got one of my spiritual daughters. Somebody gave her word, and she she about to hear the prophet. She said, "I need you to judge this word." And I thought, I said, I said she's a psychic. I said that wasn't. I said that was that was a psychic um thing. Come to find out, so she another prophet came to her, told her the same thing that I told her, and come to find out the psychic woman manifested right in front of her. You should have listened to me, and you should have thought. I told that woman was a psychic. That's not the spirit of God moving in her. So so character says a lot, and we really do. Um, and, and this is something that I I, I study about myself constantly is my character and my heart. No matter how God uses me, no matter what God uses me to do, I don't ever want to exalt myself. When you exalt yourself, you qualify. You, when you exalt yourself, you give God permission to throw you down. You actually give God permission to pick you up and throw your butt down. And so I don't, I, listen, I've, I've already been in those sort of places. I, know, I don't want to go back. I've been spanked. I've been back killed. I'm, I'm good. I'm all right. I can, I can behave now. So divided Christ, we really do um, need a revival of character. We need a revival of honor. Like I said yesterday, our words mean nothing. I'll see you tomorrow, and tomorrow is in two, three years. I mean, you understand what I'm saying? Some people's words have no weight to them at all, but we want to preach and we want to prophesy. And this is what's doing damage in the church. That's why people now run from prophets. They really, that's why you think Paul said despise not prophesying. Because people are sick and tired of myth. They're sick and tired of it. So we really do, as we're seeking God, we cover the prophesy, we cover the best gift, yes. But at the same time, we also have to cover character, develop your character. And what that means is, God, show me me. Put me on the altar. We go, we go to pray, Lord, and here go Uncle Joe, and he messed with me not saying it. Here go Uncle Blue. I mean, we, everybody on the altar except us. There comes times when we have to say, you know what, God, I know my self-objective. I know these times, but God, today, I need you, I need you to work on my heart. I need you to work on me. I need to be able to forgive. The Bible says uh, uh, um, the man that is unforgiving, torment just came to the man that wouldn't forgive. When you're unforgiving, don't you know you give access to spirits of torment? Tormentors. My friend Apostle Phil did a book on that, unto, um, uh, Tormenting Spirits of Unforgiveness. That thing is powerful. So we have to learn how to, how to release people because, listen, if you don't forgive, You'll prophesy out of unforgiveness. You'll preach out of unforgiveness. Everything you do will have a flavor of unforgiveness. You know, and, and God won't get glory out of it. So we have to learn how to develop character, walk in honor, walk in integrity, and be loyal. Being loyal doesn't mean that we're going to agree on everything. Being loyal doesn't mean I'm going to stick with you no matter what. That's what loyal, being loyal means. And so, uh, um, you know, so we, we've got to work on character, especially in terms of prophetic ministry because we're bringing God's word. And like I said earlier, when you're bringing God's word to somebody, you don't want them to have to flip it down and turn it over and pick this apart, try to figure out, well, God, was that part you or was that part her being mad at me? Or that? I mean, you want to be able to say, okay, thank you, God, for the word. Thank you, woman of God. Thank you, man of God, for the word. And you can digest it safely. You know, you want to be able to digest that word safely. Can God trust you? So as prophetic people, we have to take extra care in the construction of our character and reputation. And so that's where those cave seasons come from. That's where the testing seasons come from. from. That's where trials and things come from to mold us and to shape us and to perfect us in the areas that we're weak. God, like I said yesterday, why am I going through this on every job I go through? Because that's the area that you have not passed yet. And so until you come and strengthen and be strong in that area, you'll face that devil everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. You can move to China. And somebody don't even speak your language or do you wrong because you have to pass that test. So when you give them prophetic revelation of, or words of correction, words of direction, um, you know, you want to make sure you're coming from a pure heart. I'm, I'm dealing with somebody now. I deal with a lot of people. I'm dealing with somebody now that's, um, this person told them, God said to leave your job, leave your house, and, and you come and join my church. 
That was a directive word. Anytime you're telling somebody what to do with their life is a word, a prophetic word of direction. You have to be very careful. But you got to make sure you heard God. You tell somebody to leave their job and leave their house. Okay? She did it. She came to me. She said, the Lord said, so I said, okay. If you said God said, I'm not going to fight you on it. I'll be doggone. Same woman that gave her that word, turn around, and now it's abusing her. You see what I'm saying? Now, you caused this person to leave everything they know, everything they did. Now you're mistreating them. That, that's corruption. That's, that's, that's Jezebel, number one. You don't manipulate people's lives. They're leaving their jobs. And just because you want your church to grow, just because you want another prophet on your role, you cannot prophesy people out of nobody's church. You, can't, you cannot do that. And y'all see, even in true love, and I know this is a, I know y'all be patient with me, but, I, you know, I, we let people come to us, I want to join. We don't say, hey, come on, join the church. Y'all know you need to. No, you need to hear God. You need to hear God on that because, you know, that move you're making it may affect you for the rest of your life. You need to be very careful when you make covenant. And so this is a situation to where um, this prophet, prophetess, um, you know, gave this woman a word, and, 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 and she's, gone through, she's gone through it. She's gone through it. There was no grace with it. There was no power with the word, and now she's mistreating her, misusing her, and abusing her, and preaching all this crazy stuff, crazy stuff. So a prophetic person becomes useless and untrustworthy when character issues in our life are ignored. And listen, even the things you don't want to deal with, folk know you're dealing with it. They may not tell you. They, they know she ain't right. Hey, baby, how you doing? I mean, you know what I'm saying? They'll love you. They will love you because Christians are kind people for the most part. But they know, they, they know when, you, when you struggle. You know what I'm saying? So there's nothing hidden that won't be revealed. Nothing hidden. Go ahead and deal with your stuff. And be honest. You know what? I'm dealing with this right now. Pray for me. The Bible said when you confess your faults to one another, pray for one another, then you can be healed. Sometimes you need somebody to help pray you through. Humble yourself. So, you know, in the terms of prophetic ministry, um, especially because you're giving people words and people are taking this word and people are, are governing their lives, people are making decisions, people are, 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 you know, doing things based off what you said. So you have to really make sure that your heart is pure, that you're not trying to manipulate them because they got money or because you like their car and then you heard it was a good tither. You have to be very careful that your motives are pure. You have to be very careful about that. So a strong warning is given not to disregard a lifestyle of accountability. I thank God for my, pop, my apostolic father and my apostolic mother. I thank God. I thank God for them. That when there's areas and things that need to be corrected in my life, I get a phone call. Daughter. So, so, so. And another one, beloved prophet of God. <laughs> I'm like, oh, girl, yes, woman of God, yes. And she she gives me. She, I mean, she's so, boy, she's so elegant. I'm scared to bring her. I had run in here. I'm scared to bring her in here. <laughs> but she's shot. That woman of God is shot. I'm afraid of her. <laughs> but I love her. She, she don't play with me. She don't, and I love it. I love it. Because that's my, don't play with me. If you, if we encounter, don't play with me. Let me know. If I'm moving too slow, if I'm getting distracted, talk to me. Let me know what's going on. So a strong warning, you've got to have the accountability, especially prophetic. And that's why you find schools of prophets, companies of prophets, prophetic groups, because as prophetic people, listen, we need each other. Because half the time we think we're crazy. Truth be told, I mean, come on, we're seeing, we seeing frogs, we're seeing turtles, and we're seeing flying birds and stuff. <laughs> we're seeing color changes. I'm like, somebody talk to me and let me know I'm not crazy. Elijah was like, just let me just leave me alone. <laughs> Put me by a cave and let a buzzer feed me. I just can't. So, <laughs> but um, prophetic ministry is, is, is a weird ministry. It's a weird ministry. It's, it's often misunderstood. It's often abused. And so that's why uh, uh, Samuel started the Company of Prophets. It was a safe place for the prophetic people to come and learn and to study. They learned how to do worship. They learned how to 
study the word. They learn how to get along. They learn all of um, those things in the school in the company of prophets. Um, moving on now to okay, page five. So um, we're gonna do this, and we'll stop at the next one. We'll stop at slide nineteen, then we'll get ready for the next um class. Take questions and we get ready for the next class. So the church body cannot allow people with non-accountable gifts. This is very important. Cannot allow people with non-accountable gifts to speak into the people because the stakes are too high. Very too high. Would you allow your children, you know, say, for instance, your child, you don't know me from Adam. I come in your house and say, hey, I fixed your daughter some rice. That's okay. I got it. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? You just don't walk in somebody's house and feed their children dinner. I mean, that's what I'm saying. So you have to be very careful, especially if, if you're in a leadership position or if you open an auxiliary and, and somebody just, just, now if you know them, you know them by the spirit of praise God. Come on, yeah, we sit down and eat and we fellowship together. What is God saying? But somebody you don't know and then they ain't connected to nobody because I'm looking for, like, where you come from? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Who's your daddy? I mean, I really want to know where you, where you come from. So before you just release them to speak because you don't know the spirit that's coming out of that word. You don't know the spirit come behind that word. So you have to be very careful about just, and I tell, I tell even my sister, be careful about letting everybody in your ear. You know, learn how to discern what, what's happening within there. You're confused. I think I heard God. see demons. I can't sleep. Well, you, your ears too well. You close your ears. So you cannot allow people with non-accountable giftings to speak into the people because the stakes are too high. Character's who you are when nobody's watching. It's the you that people don't see. You can have a great character or you can have a terrible character. And listen, even when you're going through, you can still have a great character. Jesus said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. You know, there's some people going through hard trials. You never know it because of the way they conduct themselves. You never know it. So personality is how a person expresses themselves. So character is really who you are. Your personality is expression of you, okay? And so um, you can you be true to people or you can smile on their face and, and, and you can be somebody else behind their back, thrown up the side. Um, so believers must strive to achieve the godly character of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the master prophet, contrary to popular opinion. He's the master prophet. If you want to learn prophetic ministry, learn it from Jesus. Go to the Holy Scriptures and learn how he ministered to the people. So the last uh, slide for tonight is um, every person can work to improve their character by following the word of God, especially those in prophetic ministry. You've got to manifest the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You have to. Galatians 5, 24, what is that? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. There you can be as anointed as everything you've ever seen, but if you don't have this fruit, you're making noise. The Bible says you're nothing but a tinkling symbol. You're just making noise. Everybody can be falling out past on God sitting like, they ain't right, they ain't real. Everybody, oh, give them seeds. God said, they ain't right. What did Jesus say? And that last day, every minute, Lord, Lord, did I prophesy? I had a big old conference. God said, yeah, but I don't know you. I don't see none of my DNA in you at all. You took the gift and you ran with it. Whitney Houston took the gift and ran. Michael Jackson took the gift. Prince Minimal took the gift and ran. These were all gifts. These people, Beyonce raised in the church of God in Christ, took the gift, took that anointing, and ran. Okay? So it's not just about having the gift. God, the gift can't save you. The gift cannot deliver you. You will have the gift to the day you leave this life. But that don't mean that God is walking with you. Romans 12, 2, and we close now. Renew your mind on a daily basis. God knows that's something I strive for. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. That's our response. We got to prove the accessible will of God. That's my job. 
I have to prove the will of God in my life. You got to prove the will of God in your life. I have to make full, there's another scripture saying make full proof of your ministry. I have to make full proof of my ministry. If I say that God called me as a prophet, I have to live the life of a prophet. Not just Sunday between 11 and 3 and a Wednesday and Tuesday, whenever we come together. But when I'm home, when I'm mad, when I'm chasing demons, when demons chasing me, I still got to live the life of a prophet. When I love my husband, when I want to choke him, I still got to do a life of a prophet. Yeah, I don't get a, you don't get a pass. You know what I'm saying? Yo, who God calls you to be is who you are. That's who, that's a part of you from the time God told Jeremiah, I birthed you in this. I, this, is, this thing is growing up in you. It's a part of who you are. You don't get a pass from that. Well, I don't want to be a preacher today. I just want to be me. No, you don't get to make that decision. That's who you are. You can't separate your assignment from, it all fuses into one. Okay? Jesus said, me and the Father, we are one. So I am going to close with that. And um, I thought I heard somebody asking a question on here. So we're going to close with that tonight. So we stopped at, somebody mark where I stopped, so I'll know for next week. We stopped at uh, what, slide number 19. Okay? And so we'll pick up next week at um well, we need to finish up that last slide on five, but that was kind of going into another thing, so I didn't want to get into that one. But, yeah, just kind of mark that, so if I forget next week, we'll know where we are. Um, <clears throat> for your homework assignment, look over, look over back on page two, and you're going to see where it's listed the um, six types of prophetic ministry. On page two, there are six types. Of prophetic ministry. Your homework assignment is to go on through the Word of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and just give me give me an example. Okay, give me an example. Now, some of you may actually have to go back to the Hebrew. So, if you have access to a good um, reference um, Bible, chain reference Bible, or blueletterbible.org is excellent. Strong's Concordance is excellent. You may have to go back to the Hebrew to see um, which types of these words are found in certain particular scriptures. But um, let's look at, let's give some examples. That'll be your homework assignment. You can either bring that in written next week or you can submit it online, but that's going to be your homework assignment. I'm not sure um, for the lab, which is going to be posted Thursday, it's going to be on the seer. I can't remember the topic, but it's actually going to be um, on the seer. So. Right. Um, yeah, so I'll lab this, write it down for me. Lab is going to be on the seer. That will be posted Thursday evening. But the homework for um, this particular course is on page two, the six types of prophetic ministry. We're going to look for six biblical examples of those types of ministry. So Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Joseph, whoever. And that will be that. Um, we're going to close it out. We'll, um, Cover uh, for those of you listening online. If you can mute your line because we're hearing some of your background. Um, so next week we'll cover. Let me see. We got what through nineteen twenty pages. So we'll try to get through twenty pages next week too. Twenty slides rather. Twenty slides. Try to get through that too. All right. So we're gonna close out. Those of you online, look for the um, playback um, sometime tonight and um, make note of your homework assignment. Try to have it in by next Monday. We thank God for you and we'll uh, join you next week. And if you're on for the School of um, Apostles, Apostolic Leadership, you're going to have to dial back in because um, I have to put that under a separate uh, code. All right, God bless you. Let me log out. All right, so while I'm doing that, do I have any closing questions? Finish.
Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.